Three, two, one. William, welcome back. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for inviting me back. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Today we're going to be discussing your book, Global Death Cult, The Order of the Nine Angles, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Now, this is uh, this is such great information. When when looking at this this cult, there's so many layers and layers of understanding to dig through. I'm not sure if we'll really ever know the full depths of this control system, but thanks to researchers like yourself, we get closer and gain a much better understanding of who these psychopaths and are and the occult practices and doctrines that they're really driven by. I can't wait to get into this. Uh, what what brought you to write this particular book? Well, it all started really kind of my research into what's known as the smiley face killers, which is this phenomenon that's been happening since the late 90s in the U.S. and around the world of young men going out to bars at night, disappearing to later be found in water. And so it became known publicly as the smiley face killer phenomenon because they found these smiley faces. But nobody really could figure out what the motive is, why this would happen. So it wasn't even seen as a crime. A lot of times it's just seen as accidental death and it's still happening to this day. Very uh, recently after kind of COVID it picked up again, particularly in Chicago, but that was my research. And while I was researching that somebody reached out to me, a guy by the name of Igor Sarsky and said, have you ever heard of the order of nine angles? And I didn't really know. I'd done a lot of research into Crowley, the occult. And somebody had maybe uh, advised me to look into it through like my YouTube stuff, stuff. But when Igor reached out to me, I said, Oh, I'll look into that. The reason it was is that they have this in their doctrines, their ideas is to have an offer or a what they call a human sacrifice. It's actually part of their regiment, part of their system is to actually kill a human being, uh, but keep it secret. So it's supposed to be like a inside job, like a make it look like an accidental down, drowning. And then why they were doing it was kind of like the same ideas that influenced the Nazis uh, in World War II, which is you're advancing this kind of uh, genetics, you're advancing evolution by getting rid of people who you don't like, the untermension or things like that. So it fit right in with why maybe some of these young men are selected for their demises, that somebody targeted them and uh, killed them. So then I really kind of went in and looked into the ONA and really their documents are all available online. So a lot of this stuff is readily available. And what I found once I was looking at the ONA is there's been many recent related deaths and uh, criminal activity associated with them within the last five years. And so that kind of led me into kind of a dive into their reams of literature, which is like 10,000 pages of literature. Like they put, somebody has put a lot of time into it. And uh, really that's where, this book really came out because I think it was important for people to understand because this is kind of a new phenomenon that takes place within the internet subculture. It's really a fringe group Mm. of the ONA, but I think what sets them apart is they talk about hurting people. So they're lethal. It's not like a group of people doing ceramics or water, you know, colors or something like that, which is benign, but this is like very dark stuff. And so I kind of wanted to warn people, because it's cropping up more and more. There actually are criminal cases involving people who are associated with this ideology uh, taking place right now. Right on. Well, let's let's get into a little bit of the history of this ideology and where it came from and begins. That's a good question. So it goes all the way back to, uh, there's one kind of main figure in the UK. His name was David Myatt. And he was born, uh, I think, in 1950. And so he came up, though, in the far right, the British far right, and some of these figures that are there, Colin Wilson, people might know from the UK, the US may not know them, they may know George Leakin Rockwell, who was friends with Wilson, they're actually pictured together in some uh, researchers stuff, but Myatt was in that environment, very intelligent, but also was influenced by the occult. So he kind of started writing stuff that had the National Socialist ideas, but fusing it with the a lot of occult ideas. So he studied Crowley. He studied kind of a lot of these occult guys and and made his own kind of religion, really, uh, that was codified into the ONA. But it really started pre-internet with people like putting out 
small missives, like three-page missives on certain subjects. But uh, those three missives got compiled and became books later. Uh, there was Naos. There's one called The Sinister Tradition. So those ideas are codified, but it really goes back to the 70s and 80s. I mean, there's pictures of him or pictures of the corpus of the ONA that people are sending out from a P.O. box in the U.K. So you would have to get a mail order book back in the day. This is pre-Amazon, right? And so that's really the beginning. He might is an interesting character. Not only was he associated with a lot of these different well, national front was, I think one of our, one of them are national action, the far right in the UK, but also with the Gladio group. So these were stay behind groups that were really fa- authentically fascist groups that were put together to resist communist infiltration of Europe. And he was associated with one of those. One is uh, called combat 18. And he also was a, a real, when he codified his religion, he like had a new date, which he called the year of Fayan, which is the year of Hitler's birth. So they're almost deifying Hitler. And that's uh, Hitler's birth was 1889. So that's like the beginning of like Christian would say AD or Jews would say uh, leaving of the of, uh, Garden of Eden or something. So they have a different dating system, much like Muslims. So he actually set it up to have a different dating system based upon his admiration of Hitler. And so it would be, I would say that his outlook and the ONA's outlook is like esoteric Hitlerism, where Hitler is an avatar of something mm. instead of an antichrist. So, right. um, yeah, so Mayad is a very interesting character. And in the second, he writes under different names. I mean, pretty much everybody, I would say that most likely a lot of the writings, the, the earliest writings of the ONA were done by him. But there's very interesting things that I include in my book. And it's it's kind of like a history of Satanism where Mayad is in um, written communication with uh, Michael Aquino, who started the Temple of Set. It was an offshoot mm-hmm. of the Church of Satan. So he was like associated with Le- uh, LeVay. So you see somebody in the UK communicating with somebody in the US and they're differentiating themselves in their ideology. Mayat knows a lot about Aquino, but he he said, you guys are kind of play acting at Satanism, whereas my group is the real Satanist because we believe in human sacrifice. And we're overt in our belief in human sacrifice. So very nasty. But those are the letters of Stephen Brown. So you can read those in my book. But and the, the, now there's evidence that this was this group. So the members of these groups infiltrated high levels of our, our military and possibly three letter, letter agencies. Right. Well, that's where it gets to. So it starts all the way back then. But they had this idea of they want to infiltrate. They want to infiltrate groups. They want to infiltrate right wing groups. So they're almost like a, a virus and how far up some of these ide- the ideas of the ONA go into um, our institutions is a good question or other institutions. I didn't see a lot of evidence for high level people involved in the ONA, mm. but they definitely believe in infiltration. And if you look back to the title of my book, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen and the Slaughter of the Innocents, a lot of the ideas of the ONA infiltrated the far right here in the U.S. and this group, Adam Waffen. That's fairly recent. I think it started in 2015. But some of the ideas of my, it made it in there. And some of these new guys, uh, the, the real founder was a guy by the name of Russell. But he got arrested after there was a um, shooting in Tampa. And the new guy, this guy Denton, was kind of an occult, esoterist, esoterical Nazi, <laughs> uh, occult Nazi. So he had some of the own ideas of the ONA. And there was kind of a battle within the far right group. And it's interesting because I just posted a really good interview I did, or I didn't do, but Tom from PSYOP Cinema talked to an ex-Adam Waffen member within the last month and kind of confirmed a lot of the stuff a journalist like me were looking at about the uh, Adam Waffen and the influence of the ONA and some of these innocent people who were murdered by Adam Waffen. Very dangerous kind of ideas going around there, but... Uh, right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I don't know now, the just to get you back to your question. I don't yeah. know how high, far up it really goes. I think that the ideology goes. This ideology that Hitler had and this group are very similar. And even these eugenicists are trying to kill people with the shot. Is they are involved in evolutionary workings where they're killing off people and culling people. So they're culling the herd. So the idea, this kind of husbandry idea, where you kill off members of the hood, I think goes through Nazism, through ONA to these modern eugenicists 
Right on. Yeah, I, want, I definitely want to get it to, to some of the modern aspects of how this is connected. Uh, let's get a little bit more into the how the ideology uh, possibly influenced a lot of these brutal crimes that we've seen. Well, that's an open question. We don't know how many of these <clears throat> school shooters have uh, ONA or Cremo, for example, who was the shooter. He had some very strange ideas. And it literally had the smiley face symbol. So the smiley face symbol like goes through the SFK and the ONA has used it. So there's a lot and there's a lot of stuff on the internal workings of the group that are not public. And they have this idea of they're going to only share information orally, O-R-A-L-L-Y. So there's doctrines that aren't written, but there is a this uh, symbolic attack. I mean, researchers have found that both the SFK killings, the ONA, and Cremo all have the smiley face, and now it's around. It actually has just gone into world wrestling, this group called the Schism, that involves The Rock, right? Uh, his daughter is part of the Schism with the smiley face. So they're incorporating this kind of dark symbolism into the, and it's permeating the, the larger culture. And you can see that actually in um, Ed Sheeran's song. It's called uh, Bad Habits. Check that out too if you get a chance. It's really incredible because it encapsulates a lot of the ideas of the ONA into a, a three and a half minute song. It's incredible. Right. And but a yeah. lot of people, well, a lot of people are, are, are kind of lumping these, these secret societies and, and high level groups together and, and Satanism and all that, uh, especially these days in the conspiracy culture, when there's a lot of different uh, influences and origins that we would have to look at uh, besides, and we can't just have lump everything into Satanism, uh, but because what, what were some of the uh, actual occult ideologies and practices that they were believing and practicing? Well, they, I would say they were different than a lot of other satanic groups. I've studied Crowley very deeply, and I'm familiar with Aquino and LeVay and covered a lot of those people in some of my books. But I think the differentiation of the ONA is that they believed in these dark gods that may be kind of like Lovecraftian gods, and that you were trying to presence them, presence them in yourself and into the world. So you're supposed to do things. And they had something called the Sevenfold Way, Myatt rejected any kind of Judy, uh, Jewish influence, whereas Crowley was kind of okay with the Kabbalah. But the, he, so he had something called the Tree of Word, which is a septenary way or a sevenfold way. And you're supposed to do things to achieve the highest ranking. And you actually, in the highest part of the ONA, you can become an immortal. They believe you can become immortal. So they kind of have their own ideology that solves the problem of death. But and then, like I mentioned earlier at the intro, in the fourth step, that's when you're supposed to select an offer and kill them. So it's part of their advancement up the tree of word within the ONA. So they're very, I would say they're distinct in their kind of uh, their their ideology from other satanic groups. And I think that was defined like that, but it's very clever. And they have this whole thing about presencing. So you're supposed to bring this. I mean. I don't like to share a lot of the stuff, but they believe in possession and vampirism, spiritual energy vampirism, where you're, you know, uh, taking energy from some other entity and putting it in yourself. And it's really interesting. If you get a chance, please go in your listeners, go check out Ed Sheeran's uh, video, Bad Habits. It goes, it's everything about the ONA from beginning to end, smiley faces, vampirism, presencing, uh, night and death. And like, one of the one of the tasks within the ONA, I think it's the third level of uh, the tree of word to get up to ascend certain uh, tasks is to literally go out at sundown, lie on your back and not move till sunrise. So you're supposed to actually be in a kind of state of, uh, you know, uh, trance or meditation for without moving for 12 hours like that's one of the things so they're treat, teaching you to stay awake late at night and stuff like that so and a lot of these crimes that i've detailed in my book whether it's on nutrigym stabbing somebody in toronto or some of these jiampa death jiampa killed two guys there was a killing in the uk by a guy by the name of daniel hussein who butchered two women with uh with the intent with a blood pact he literally had a blood pact with a demon where he wanted they called him the lottery killer because he was going to commit these killings for the benefit of winning the lottery 
Uh, but these are things that happen at night. And a lot of those are influenced. Daniel Hussein was getting information from a guy from the States who was affiliated with the Order of Nine Angles. So, um, How many of these, what we might consider, you know, just serial killers or uh, random killings were probably sanctioned or involved in some way with some of these groups? It's a great question. And, you know, some of that's very secret. So I wouldn't know. I mean, you can look at uh, Ramirez. He, Richard Ramirez was affiliated with the Church of Satan. He knew he was hanging out in San Francisco. So he, whether he was doing it by the sanction of, of that church or it was his ideology is another question. But there's some secrets involved with that. And there's also some of these other groups we know that have they've involved in, uh, been involved in secret killings. For example, David Berkowitz was definitely associated with the satanic group, probably by the, the Process Church. And they were doing it to spread fear uh, back in the 70s. But so some of these other ones, I, I wouldn't be able to know. These more recent cases that I include in my book are are startling because they have overt and very obvious evidentiary trails back to the, the doctrines of the ONA. So there may be other murders that are going on, particularly the SFK murder. Some of them may be by people with this ideology. I mean, you, you'd have to catch them. And one of the other things is that the um, the police and the government haven't, in my opinion, haven't quite caught up. They have the federal government has been on the order of nine angles within the last couple of years, but they don't understand that this uh, ideology is around. And that's one of the reasons for my book is to kind of and, uh, tell people that this is kind of happening. And these there's dungeons. Like I went into my first SFK uh, documentary uh, was about these people getting abducted and put in dungeons. It's very interesting because there was a guy who got caught by the police in Michigan and he, uh, his name was Katunsky, and he actually abducted a guy by the name of Kevin Bacon, not Kevin Bacon, the actor. He had the same name, but the police actually followed him back to his, they got some lead, went back to his house, went down into his garage and found a dungeon, and inside that dungeon was the victim. Uh, so I think that that's really, that, that the rise of BDSM and that culture and the occult has a lot to do with the smiley face killers and some of these other murders and things like that that are happening around the world that the police are baffled or mystified by like what's the motive but if you the ona ideology could be a motive for some of these deaths i wouldn't know you mentioned some celebrities that have these these smiley face and symbolism or tattoos on them how much do you think that they really would be involved or know about this do you think that there are some that are maybe involved with the order of nine angles absolutely i think some of them i think some of them know i think some of them are affiliated um there's a lot of smiley face imagery now in the common culture i've seen justin bieber's stuff have a smiley face i've seen uh, with jared, uh, jared leto uses a smiley face in his kind of weird cult stuff that's going on uh, i've seen it with um some of these other characters but it's around it goes back to alan moore's used it as well in the uh, watchman but how much they know i it's hard to tell how how the totality of what they know but some of them are are far more clever so they probably have been uh, uh so i think more people may know about the ona ideology than the public does yeah do you think that there are high level uh, magical orders like this that are, you know, not necessarily high level individuals, but uh, that have a lot of control and power and route through different systems that uh, that don't necessarily have the same idea for where they want to create culture and push humanity and maybe have some arguing factions out there? Well, I mean, if you look at the history of Skull and Bones, like look at the, all the people that they've placed into the presidency and into the Supreme Court and the culture and business, the highest levels of business. So, yeah, I would say that they may not have anything to do with the ONA, but they're definitely in the, involved in that. Uh, the Masons and some of the, these groups that they're associated with, whether it's the Bohemian Club or the Bohemian Grove. Uh, so I do, I think there's evidence for that. I think that goes back through time, whether it's the Hellfire Club back in the U.K., um, so different times of the Illuminati could be described. The Illuminati was a real group and it had a bunch of elite people. So uh, 
what is, what's going on today and what are some of these groups. I don't know. But if you look at some of these very weird people, a lot of them who are into the occult, they have kind of like a witch pet, like uh, something like that. For example, when King, um, not Andrew, King Charles, Charles became king and his mom passed away, he invited uh, Marina Abramovich to the coronation. Like she's a known witch. She's literally involved in this blood ritual stuff that was revealed in the Podesta emails, right? So Podesta is a very powerful guy, still is. He's a, he's, he's a very, very powerful person. That's the person associated with Marina Abramovich who does kind of fake kind of public art, so-called art rituals involving bodies and fake blood and stuff like that, which should creep people out. So she's one example. And then you look at Jimmy Savile, who's totally into the occult, new, all kinds of stuff palling around with prince charles who's now a king so and if you look at the history of damian eccles i've studied him a lot from the west memphis three he had very powerful rich people supporting him and getting him out of jail johnny depp peter jackson so i think that's indicative of like how common it much more common in the culture than the public may think because they get terrible information from the corporate media or uh some of these people are covering up for them but uh I do think, and so you, I don't know what they're, I don't know what groups these guys are associated with. I know that there's like groups out there that the public doesn't know of. So the ONA is easier to ascertain because they publish so much of their documentation, but there's a group called like the Black Dragon Group. I don't know anything about them, but I know that they exist. So. And, but this group, yeah. the Order of Nine Angles, is particularly dangerous because they, they are involved in sacrifice, right? And yeah. not only that, their ideologies uh, involving sacrifice has trickled into possibly parts of the military and clandestine groups uh, involved with our three-letter agencies. I would say for sure the military. I think that's their, their desire was infiltration. So they have this concept called insight roles. So you go and join a group maybe not affiliated with the ONA, but the, the whole idea is to infiltrate and gain experience. So if you become an ONA member, a lot of these guys are trying to get into the military to get military grade experience. And that's so they've busted people in the military. Meltzer is one name. Uh, he was actually in the same jail that Ghislaine Maxwell was in. So they put him in that same jail. It was, uh, he, had, he had a picture on his social media of the Sinister Tradition, which is an ONA book, you know? And he had the whole, uh, they like to wear this skull mask and stuff like that. So they have this uh, imagery that they're consistently using. But uh, their desire is to infiltrate. So you, the what's only come out is kind of like the lower end people. But I don't know who the sophisticated people who are who might have the ONA. But, you know, I, um, it's scary to think that some people could be in real power with these kind of uh, occult doctrines and occult ideas because they're lethal. Well, it seems like their their ideas and, of course, Crowley's have extremely influenced Hollywood and everything we're seeing in entertainment, especially now. Uh, I mean, it's it's shifted to the uh, extreme uh, bizarre now, but uh, we've been seeing the, the occult being normalized and, and these practices being shown to us in TV and media and movies for a long time, and it seems to be even more uh, in the past few years just seeming to be uh, to normalize right right i totally agree with you so you see that in these big like uh their parties the award shows you're getting you're being either initiated whether you like it or not or being exposed to these ideas and i think that's really the point um so if you're on board with the occult then you're seeing it as okay great these are my people but if you're not you kind of perceive it mysteriously and uh but yeah, I think it's a, you can look at these Balenciaga kind of, I don't know if you've seen the whole recent uh, uproar over them. They put all kinds of dark references into cult, into his stuff and these books. So and child sacrifice and, and BDSM, like the darkest stuff imaginable, like the Podesta emails. Um, so I think it's indicative that there are people out there who are into these Epstein-like groups and doctrines. And Epstein, I mean, people still say it online. Nobody's gone after his clients. They just busted Epstein and Maxwell. How did Epstein get half a billion dollars? Where, where are the people who are the Johns or the users? Like I know some of the names have been named by some of the victims, but it is telling that the entire Justice Department, 
does not want to go there and says a lot about your culture about the American culture and American politics. It should scare the living daylights out of me. Yeah. And the, whenever we try to seriously look at some of these crimes and dark things that are happening, whenever you have to introduce the occult in there, it it turns people off. It gets people looking the other direction because they don't want to admit that he's deep dark things are happening in reality and that people really are you know worshiping demons and summoning dark entities and things like that to gain power but yeah these guys that's something they uh they absolutely do and absolutely believe in absolutely no doubt there's no doubt and you can go back in the recorded history like we have the old testament right this is a book compiled over thousands of years and they talk about people worshiping molech sacrificing children there were temple prostitutes, so all kinds of sex magic in that version 2,000 years ago. And uh, it's still a current that's come back and through and has had, you know, ebbs and flows. Like, there's definitely like a cult, you know, social changes and stuff like that. But we're at kind of like a high peak end of occultism. It's all over the place. People are being exposed to occultism, MK Ultra, mind control ideas like crazy. So for people to be in denial, it's very telling because it is curious because it's not a fashionable or like acceptable means of discourse in some of any of the kind of modern popular journalists, but it's happening right in front of their face. So you kind of have to ask this, like you said, why aren't they covering it? Why are they in denial? Is it, are they afraid to go there? Well, I think once you admit a little bit of these things are true, you have to look even further and you find out that, oh, man, this is even true and this could possibly be true. And it it gets terrifying, especially for people who are like atheists, you know, good point. Yeah, that would that would that's a great point. The atheist has to give away if he believes in the spiritual power of the occult. You can't really be a full atheist because then you accept there's some spiritual or something beyond our five sentence senses influencing people right and that's really where it goes if you study all these guys they're all trying to reach some other entity whether it's crowley uh myatt um uh what's uh uh, aquino they're summoning demons or talking to entities or all kinds of weird things so atheists probably do have a trouble with that so it's it's really kind of like your worldview can you see the worldview do you have a christian worldview what type of christian worldview um and i think that's probably why in a lot i've found that a lot of the people who don't want to you to talk about occultism are occultists because they want to maintain the occulted nature of their knowledge for power because if they have that occult knowledge it's a it's it's kind of like a monopoly ideological monopoly you have that knowledge you don't want that other person to have it and if you look at all satanism it's there's a current of of elitism or kind of neo-feudalism i have seen run through the whole thing where you're the elite these are your slaves and the slave shall serve i've never seen it any different than that so they treat other people not in an egalitarian way but they only reveal that knowledge to those who they want often initiated people so i think that that's why some of these discussions are pretty interesting because people get uh people who are into the occult of whatever stripe they don't want they don't want a lot of it exposed you know or they want to keep people de- deceived about that that was the interesting thing about crowley like i didn't know how much of crowley was a true satanist like within the biblical context like he really believed in a literal satan and worshiped that satan yeah. he adored him but a lot of people were into crowley they didn't want people to come to that conclusion they just would say oh yeah he was a dabbler in the occult or he was an esotericist or he believed in human freedom they 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 they, uh, they deny they don't want you to go to that core that would confirm kind of a biblical worldview. Uh, so it's very interesting. So I've had a lot of really interesting conversations with people since I put published my Crowley book like twelve years ago. Oh yeah, Crowley is a uh, a disgusting but a interesting cat for sure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the the smiley face killing. Um, for for those that may not be familiar, could you basically give us a little bit of the history behind these killings and and how it's evolved? And you said it's possibly still going on. Oh, oh no, it's definitely still happening this year. There's mm-hmm. been tons of similar cases. 
there was a real spate of cases in Chicago in the middle of the year. I would recommend people take a look at Jim Smith's work. He's really been covering uh, the, these cases. Like that's kind of a singular outlook. I he was the the head kind of uh, researcher for my first film on the SFK in 2017. But the way it got its name, the Smiley Face Killings, was there were two guys, Gilbertson and Gannon. They were the original kind of compilers of these cases. Gannon was a New York police detective. And Gilbertson is a criminal justice professor in, I believe, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, or somewhere in Wisconsin or Minnesota. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, they both noticed that there was this pattern of young men disappearing to later be found in water. And so they linked up and they started seeing these similarities, just simple pattern recognition. Guy goes out at a bar, disappears, isn't found for a while, later to be found in water. And... um, so they also found that there was this kind of uh, symbolism associated with the disappearance, which is the smiley face. And so it gave this phenomenon the name, the smiley face killers. They wrote a book. It was called Case Studies in Forensic Drownings. And it's a very good book. I highly recommend it because it goes into, I think, 14 cases of this happened. But they look at it kind of like uh, Gilbertson was a sophisticated academic. So they have all these kind of criminology statistics and things like that in their case studies and forensic drownings. And forensic drownings. And then there was other journalists who picked up on it and were following it and saw the pattern as well. And there was hot spots: New York, Boston, um, these uh, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota. In certain times of the year, you know, colder times of the year. And and people, what's strange is like some of these cases, like. These people should have been found. Like if you go, if a person drowns, typically their body will float and they'll be found in a couple of days. Why are these people missing for seven days? Why are they missing for two weeks? And um, there's a lot of these types of cases. And so other other journalists have looked into them. There's a Nicole Egan. I would check her out. Her work is really good. Jim Smith. There was a really good uh, journalist in Boston called Cryptid Antiquarium. And she she compiled these cases on her blog and it, she had something like 8,000 responses. Like it triggered this huge social movement. Oh, I have a case here. Oh, this is, you know, something strange is going on. So that's kind of the smiley. And they were featured on um, Coast to Coast. There's been stories about the smiley face killings on Coast to Coast. So it's kind of been kind of an urban myth. I thought it was an urban myth when I first looked at it. I came across it because of my research into the cold. I kept seeing the smiley face outside of the smiley face killings. I just kept seeing it particularly with Alan Moore used the smiley face in the Watchman, like I mentioned. And I just didn't think about it. And then I kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is something different. I'll look into these smiley face killings. And I kind of synced up with other, there's a lot of researchers. There's a community online. Jim Smith is one of them. And then uh, I, I said, there was a mis- disappearance of a young man named Joey Labute in Columbus, Ohio. And it was during the, Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, which is a weekend bodybuilding thing. And I say, if this guy's later found in water, I'm going to freak out because this will be like the smiley face killings. Younger guy, handsome, good looking. They're usually skinnier. And so 19 days later, he was found in the Seattle River uh, in a kind of place that had been previously searched. And that's the standard thing, previously searched. So then I, that really triggered my interest because I was like, I'm watching this phenomenon take place before my eyes. And so I saw, I just kept seeing more and more. There were just so many cases. The next one was a guy in Pittsburgh and his name was Dakota James, same thing. And uh, Nicole Egan wrote about him and said he might've been targeted because he he was found like three weeks before calling a friend, like, where am I? I don't know where I am. So really dark stuff happening around the Smiley Face Killers. And uh there's probably now, they were all men. Was there any other like similarities between the victims that that would uh, raise any flags? It's a good question. Uh, there, I think that younger college aged, so people who are out of the house, so they're more independent, uh, younger, healthier. They're typically very healthy. Nobody's fat. There's no like overweight per victim. So that's kind of telling. Makes you ask questions. Um, they're also, what's interesting is not too many wealthy, like of all the victims, they're almost like lower or middle class, which is really strange. Like, why isn't somebody who's wealthy getting into the snare 
um, almost like they've been pre-selected, which is which gets into like very dark uh, stuff. People have likened it to this movie Hostel or something like that. Mm, but yeah. it's taking place in the time of travel and internet. And a lot of these guys are on uh, dating sites. So some of them, there's, I think, an overabundance of gay, uh, homosexuals. But there's, they're definitely, uh, Joey Labute and Dakota James, I think, were both on male dating sites and part of kind of the gay bar. You know, the they were in gay bars and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's it gets pretty scary. You're kind of go into like Jeffrey Dahmer area, like somebody targeting these people, doing horrible stuff. And that's my thought is like somebody has learned, in my opinion, my take on the whole thing is somebody has learned this kind of MO that they can select people, uh, young men and kill them and put them in water and get away with it because the water fools people to think they're drowning and also gets rid of some evidence, not all evidence, but a lot of these cops, I think it's just a wrapped up case. Oh, it's a gay kid. Who cares? He's dead. He drowned. Next case. Right. right? So I think there's an incentive. Really interesting thing about the Dakota James case, which I went through in detail, is they had something from, they had the original forensic examination, and then they went, they were in Pittsburgh, PA, and uh, they went and got the great Cyril Wecht to do a second analysis of their son's death. Now, this guy was missing for 40 days. He was found in the river. Cyril Weck does the second thing and finds a a noose mark around his neck. Like he literally could see from just looking at his body uh, that there was a noose that had been placed around his neck. And then also his body was not in an advanced state of decay. He looked like he had been alive for a certain period of time. So a lot of these guys, they're not in advanced state of decay. They're like, there's no way in any way that Dakota James it could have been de- was dead the full 40 days he was missing. And they had other cases like that. Uh, there's another kid, some of these names I don't remember, but they find these bodies and they're just not, they, they obviously didn't die the day they disappeared. Hmm. So the smiley face killings lives on. There's still cases. Um, and people That's need to so really be crazy. careful, especially young men. So I think that this is a more sophisticated. It is interesting because somebody who, uh, was killing boys. Uh, his last four was uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy. The last four victims he had, he dumped them in water. So mm. he used that as a kind of a body mechanism. And also uh, the Atlanta child murders, they were all thrown in water. So there's, I think that these killers get, some of them get the idea, hey, we can throw these in water. Well, you mentioned Jeffrey, you know, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. And I'm wondering if, you know, how much of these these serial killers are, like you said, getting ideas from this or maybe getting whispers in their ear or even just part of some of these groups and they get thrown under the bus or get scapegoated uh, because, you know, the, the, uh, the higher level members just uh, they have someone to to throw there, throw out there for them. So I don't know. It's interesting. There, uh, it's very interesting. There, when I looked into Katunsky, this guy who was in um, Michigan, he was part of these internet groups of men or BDSM groups. Like I, I looked into Fet Life, and I also looked into this movie called Kink, where there were these. Kink was a documentary about this BDSM group where they would film it, and people from all over the world would pay to watch this. Right, so. And there were million. I mean, they were breaking in seven figures. Like it was a very serious operation. But the reason why I looked at that is because these people have the same kind of outlook. So I, I was thinking, like Katunsky, these guys were predators. They would call themselves wolves. They wolf pack. Really creepy stuff. That maybe, like I think the court case. He he pled guilty. But like, if you are a prosecutor, you may not even have an interest. In going into that sub subculture, you're just saying this is the time, the place, and this. But they missed a lot about Katunsky's personality, anti-Christian. Uh, yeah, so he might have been doing this. Might have been not has been his first victim was this kid Kevin Bacon. This is a recent case, but yeah. So I think they're networked. I think they're networked through the internet, and I think uh, I think that the, you, if you have a particular taste, I mean, like. Let's say you're interested in Southern Italian cooking. You can go online on Facebook and find a group of like specific regional stuff. So if you have like 
forbidden taste, red room type stuff. Uh, there's groups like that that probably meet up. And Katunsky was part of a very sick group of people, in my opinion. Yeah. So, hold on, my mic is muted. All right, there I we hear go. You. Um, okay, uh, now I want to. Do you think that the 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 case of the West Memphis Three might have been associated with something that uh, some of these groups that we're discussing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, definitely not at the time back in '93 when they happened. I don't think they were. Eccles is very much networked. My, I mean, the, the evidence would show he knows a lot of people in the occult. He's been pictured with Genesis Pure, who's a long time kind of cult marauder, process church, uh, temple of psychic youth. So he knows him. He knows a lot of these other guys into Druidism. Uh, so he became, I think, in my opinion, he became networked in 93, mm-hmm. maybe not so much. But there's been other people like when I first looked at that case, I just saw it as three hapless kids killing another three children. But I think that there was a larger he was part of a larger a cult network. I think Eccles was even at that time, even that right at the beginning of the internet, right? 93. So I think right. that uh, now it's even larger. I mean, Eccles is uh, giving out classes and all kinds of different occult practices. So um, I think, I think, I think back then, like, I think if you look at the evidence, you can see that there's other, there were probably either other people involved or other people who were involved in their stuff. And they even admitted it. Like they used to go out and hang out at this place called Stonehenge. Uh, there's statements mm-hmm. of these other guys, Alvis Clem Bly. There's another statement that I just put up on my podcast. You can read my stuff where he's saying, yeah, the cops ask him, are you not, are you not telling any other names because you don't want to implicate anybody else in the trial, uh, any in the crime. And the guy says, yeah, I don't want to tell the names because I don't want to implicate him. So he knew that there were more names he just didn't want to say anything. So even the cops, there's a piece of paper of like within the West Memphis three cops when they're investigating it back in 93, where they had a list of people they thought was in the, were in the cult. So uh, now this being mainly a death focused sacrifice cult, do you think that there were larger scaled events that may have played out that we may not realize we're involved in this maybe you know some large-scale shootings things like that that have been in the global consciousness for a while that might have been part of this right sometimes we'll never know I, like i said it's almost like this whole thing about katunsky you don't look into the culture these people did if you're in the government uh if you're prosecuting these cases you're just looking for did they commit the crime so maybe cremo or some of these other guys uh sh- school shooters they may not just be raged they may be incentivized ideology ideologically i mean um this guy the case of ethan Meltzer is very interesting because he wanted to have a mass casualty event he actually said i mean the acronyms as mce he wanted to have a mass casualty event involving his own military troop so he wanted to facilitate something like that um so some of these other stuff and there's a larger, there's larger issues like people have is the order of nine angles. Is it puppeteered? Is it being created by the government? Is it an Intel op? Is it a psyop? Are they, are they kind of like a web, you know, um, well, it's already well. hard to trust, you know, the, the feds and right. CIA and three letter agencies on anything that they're trying to tell us or do. You know, why would we believe that they're actively going to pursue these groups or are they're not even, you know, maybe involved with them? Well, it's it's interesting you say that because there was a huge kerfluffle this year about the Temple of Blood, which is a Nexian of the ONA, which means it's like a subset of the ONA. And that leader, Souter, they found out in court documents, was getting money from the Fed since 2004. Like he had made $150,000. And his testimony was essential to the arrest of somebody this year, who was the head of Adam Waffen. Um, So they're involved in all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can look at the whole Whitmer case, which was totally fabricated. Uh, there's this whole like right-wing group that's out there that nobody knows the membership of. They're not known far-right members. It's totally a, a glow operation, by, in my opinion, by the government to try mm. to, and there's other, I mean, I don't like to state them in, in interviews, but there's other groups that to me are clearly run by the government. 
Well, it seems like right now the far right, either the far right or the far left is like the same group. They're just as insane. For years, we just went through the the most extreme of crazy left land that we could imagine. Seems like we're about to shift to right. But do we really want to shift to that extreme right side to just as crazy land? I don't know. I think they want us to keep us on either polarity so that we don't see what uh, norm normality is, really. I think they have an interest. I think there's definitely an interest to categorize people in the far right, especially when you have Biden, mm, Biden's yeah. administration. Like, if you disagree <laughs> with me, you're a Nazi or whatever. Like, well, right, you're right. A, I mean, what's really far right? Like, the ONA is actually legitimately far right. They're just not that big, uh, but they might serve a purpose. And all these occult groups, you don't really know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens under the surface. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that these. They have real world effect independently. They're not, some of these guys are not being puppeteered by the, by the government. Some might be, but these other guys are real believers. If you look at Von Nudigem or Daniel Hussein, these names that pop up, they believed in the occult. They believed in the kind of this esotericism. So that's kind of, some people have likened the ONA to kind of like a software program that got out like a virus. Mm. And then people just pick it up at length or pick it up and take certain or become true believers or become certain parts of it or, or adapt to certain parts. Um, but some of these people are not being puppeteered by somebody from the, from the government. There's no question about that. Right. Now, for me, I, I, I believe that these occult practices are what you would want to call magic. I mean, it's a it's basically a tool and it depends on your intent behind it and who's intent behind it, who's using it. But those that seem to actually know the power behind it are seeming to be the worst ones that could be wielding it and uh, the the worst ones to be in charge and the ones that are doing it. So uh, it's very interesting whenever you look at the, you know, the occult and things like that. I know that there are probably very good aspects and uses for uh, magical practices that some probably still actively use for very good purposes, but we never are going to hear about that because of the, the stigmatization and everything that we we've heard from the occult and, you know, Satanism and all this stuff. Right. I don't know. You know, you can say like, what's white magic, like healing, healing with herbs, herbs or like uh, health remedies. Some people could say that's uh, Wicca or something like that, but it may just be eating a healthy food. I don't know. So one person's magic is another person's something else. I don't know. So I, I think that some of the ritual magic uh, is pretty dangerous. And I think there, there's power there. These people are definitely doing it for power, but I've heard that argument is like, this is white magic. This is black magic, but I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Yeah. Well, I think what we're seeing on a large scale is mostly the, the darker stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to dabble it with it anyway. And it's mostly influenced by uh, Aleister Crowley, who, was probably the darkest of dark when it comes to uh, our modern uh, magicians, right? No doubt. I think so. Almost everybody who's like uh, been involved in the occult after the 50s went through a Crowley phase. So they either became, wanted to be his disciple or something, but they all went through and learned from what Crowley did. Crowley left a very uh, thorough record of his practices and his thoughts, so... Anybody on that kind of left-hand path, what would be called the left-hand path, has had a... I haven't seen somebody without a Crowley face or an acknowledgement of Crowley's and all. I mean, even LeVay and Aquino knew these guys who were Crowley followers. One guy's name was Grady McMurtry, who's right across the bay from San Francisco. So they knew each other. And uh, you still see that with Myatt, who kind of added on after what he learned from Crowley and Aquino and all these other characters. So Crowley still stands, you know, if he... He said that he wanted to be one of the lights of the future. And I think that he was kind of like this kind of, uh, you know, purple, not was it like a nightlight for all the occultists that came after him and who definitely referenced child sacrifice was involved in heinous, heinous acts, blood rituals, all the dark stuff. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, it's definitely incredible. Uh, how do you think that, how do you feel about uh, where this this whole case is headed in the future? Do you have any hope that the, there will be any kind of um, progress made uh, or justice, anyone brought to justice for any of this? 
Yeah, I think some of them are being brought to justice, probably not for the occultism that they're involved with. But I think if the authorities understand their ideas and the ideology, some more people will be caught doing nefarious deeds. So I think that it's important to know this information about Crowley, the ONA, Adam Waffen and all that stuff. And they're real ideas because once you understand the motivation, then you can comprehend the crimes that they commit, whether they're for ethnic purposes or they think they're for spiritual purpose, like they're communicating with some dark God. So I do believe hopefully there'll be more. It's definitely within the government. Like There's something called the Lanning Report and these guys who kind of downplay occult influence on crime, but there's tons of occult influence crime. So I think that to not acknowledge that as being naive and not looking at all the evidence. So I think it's, I think to have a sober view, you can include these, include and understand these ideologies to figure out what these people are doing, you know, the criminal acts by some occultists too. Yeah, absolutely. William, thank you so much. This was fantastic. Uh, Is there anything that you're currently working on or that you would like to, uh, to uh, end on today? I'm hoping to have a few more things done. I do just uh, crossed my 800th episode on William Ramsey investigates. So you can check out some of the new work I've been doing. I've been trying to follow this whole um, catastrophe of the shot of what it's doing to people and the injuries that are going on. So be very careful about taking any real shot at this point. I would be very suspicious of all uh, what they're saying, but, uh, we're in very troubling times, but uh, hopefully by through exposing the, the uh, evil and the wickedness, we can at least have some, have a safe thing to avoid kind of the dangers that are lurking out there in the world uh, these days. So yeah, check out my podcast, 800, I have over 800 episodes on a wide variety of subjects. Now, I just wanted to ask you, since you mentioned, you know, the, the atrocities going on in the the peoples that are getting the experimentation done and then dying. Uh, do you have hope with the amount of people that are actually speaking out, maybe the coroners that are coming out and saying, Hey, this is what's happening. People who are making documentaries about this. Do you think that this is going to make a change or difference eventually? I think it's making a change right now. I mean, this died suddenly documentary came out, but I think that they're showing that the uptake of these kill shots is very small from what they anticipated. So it's like 10 to 15% of the people are getting their fourth Brewster. There's so many studies that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine work and vitamin D they're actually putting out new, the newer pharmaceutical uh, pharmacists are putting out pills with ivermectin and large doses of vitamin D. The good ones are, you can get those. Uh, So be very wary of these shots um, and get, get healthy. The best thing to do is actually to be exposed. In my opinion is to be exposed to COVID and get sick. And use your natural immunity. I had a cough for about 24 hours, maybe a little bustle aches, and I'm good now, man. <laughs> yeah, don't give in to the fear. These shots yeah. are super dangerous. It's a roulette wheel. Some people have been very, very much harmed. And some of the stats on the actual harms by the shots are incredible. Worldwide, the amount of deaths and sh- uh, shot injuries are in the millions, tens of millions, which uh, it's the worst medical catastrophe in human history. There's no question 100%. about it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on. We're going to just, I'd love to discuss some of that with you as well. Sure. Anytime, man. Be glad to be awesome. Back. Until next time, everyone have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see y'all then. Peace. All right.